Okay, good morning, Faith Fellowship. It's good to see you guys this morning and see our, our guests here. Hey, uh, Faith Fellowship, the normal members that are here, please meet somebody new today. I like, I feel like that's the first time that I've ever had to say that. It's great. And so please make sure you do that. If you haven't seen a face, man, go up, say hi, and uh, make yourself known. Really appreciate that. If you have your Bible, be turning to Acts chapter 25. While you're uh, turning there, I want to also just remind some of you, uh, if you weren't here on Tuesday or just kind of have slipped through the cracks of information, that we are in our um, uh, two weeks of fasting that started on the 11th. And so what are we fasting for during this time? Does anybody know primarily what we are fasting for as a church? Souls will be saved. Will be saved. Praise the Lord, my brother in the back. <laughs> and so, so listen, so now this is good. I, this is why the Lord said, hey, make sure you mention that. So, okay, we're going to go all the way, Pastor James, up till the 23rd of October? Uh, 24th. 24th, okay? So whatever it is, you know how, we, how this goes. You're not putting out a list or putting on Facebook what you're fasting from. That's between you and the Lord, okay? But while you're doing this, Whenever it is that issue starts creeping in that, oh, I want to engage in this thing that I have now departed from, that's a great opportunity for you to spend some time in prayer for, for the loss. So who are we praying for? Those that we work around, those in our neighborhoods, just people you know, old friends, Facebook friends, you know, maybe there's some connections that can be made. This should be a time where we're seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, how would you use me in this time in order to reach those uh, that don't know you, right? Okay, so take this time seriously. It's going to be great. And then after that, we're going to have our celebration, okay? So this is when uh, Chris Miller will really be running around <laughs> trying to make sure things are ready. The balcony, we're hoping to see what that looks like, right? Because I think Sam wants that ready by then, right? So um, be looking forward to that. So that's going to be our time of rest. Uh, we're not looking to, you know, make anybody busier, but I may have something in here and I need to talk to Chris, this will be privately, but just something I can hang on. Um, and that way we can write potentially during this time of celebration of, of what things can we give praise to God for, okay? And concerning his character, or just attributes that he has. So I want you to be thinking about that while you're in this time, obviously in fasting, but it may be something that we can record and log and put on the wall. That way we could see it, we could glean from it. We're not looking for novels, okay? Just a verse of encouragement, a statement of encouragement, something like that. But just think, those attributes are character qualities of God, okay? And it's gonna be something if as long as my buddy will let me hang uh, something. <laughs> right, that's true. We can't until there's paint up there, right? <laughs> and so, okay, so, hey, we want to be a part of those, those two things. They're very important. We, uh, we should be excited about how God is going to speak to us during this time of fasting. And, uh, and really, as we transition as a church, just to celebrate 15 years that we've been around and we weathered a pandemic. 
where some churches didn't make it, right? So we should, we have a lot to praise the Lord for. Okay, now by this time, you should be in Acts 25. And uh, okay, so our title this morning is this, The Domino Effect of Fear. And just kind of bring you up to date for those of you that haven't been with us the whole time. But essentially, remember, we've been talking about Paul is in a big transition point of his life, just in terms of how effective he is in ministry. Uh, we've seen that basically come to a crawl and now really just maybe even a standstill would be a better term for it. Um, Paul should not be in Caesarea even. Uh, he was in Jerusalem. That's what triggered all of this. And essentially because of his love for his kinsmen and, the, and what he felt was just a dire need to himself deliver the gifts that came from the Gentile churches to the church in Jerusalem, he thought, I need to be the carrier for that. Even though there had been multiple warnings, don't go do this. This is going to lead to your capture and being in prison. And that is exactly what has happened. And so now we're still kind of in the middle of this. But if you know anything about Acts, you know we're getting very close to the end. And we only have three chapters left, and of which we're going to um, uh, scale this chapter this morning. And so right now, okay, things prior to this moment was how it left off. He was in Caesarea, okay? And Felix is the procurator. And just as a definition, a procurator are individuals that are appointed to govern, but don't think a governor, okay? They had small troop detachments, certain lesser provinces. These uh, procurators exercised both financial and judicial authority, even in capital cases, which is why you're seeing Felix and Festus in particular kind of be the judge, okay? So they have that kind of rule as a part of their title. And uh, but were usually subject to a general authority or governor of a major province in the region. So if there was kind of a bigger area, then they may have to subject themselves to that individual. So our key players this morning are going to be you're going to see Herod Agrippa II. You know, so he's the son of, uh, of Agrippa I and the grandson of Agrippa. And uh, and Bernice, they'll come. He's king. OK, so now that. Kingship has been given to him by Rome, not by the Lord. And so, you know, it's kind of like he ain't my king kind of statement, but he is an authority. So, you know, he needs to be respected uh, sort of thing. OK, so these guys are major players in what you're seeing happening. So a little bit, if you think about it, we left Paul in, in Caesarea. Things look like in terms of his jail sentence, it was not going to be torturous or laborious, it was just going to be however long. And really, Felix's plan, that procurator, was, was to extort Paul. What he wanted to do is basically call Paul up, whatever frequency was, maybe it was every month or whatever, and say, you got some money for me yet? No. Okay, go back to jail. <laughs> you know? And so that's how that was going to basically go. So guys, two years. Two years. Now you got to think about something. Okay, we're going to have to revisit a verse that the Lord gave Paul in chapter 23 about, you know, where his his witness in Jerusalem and transitioning to Rome. It's been two years. 
you could have some trouble holding on to that statement. So then, essentially, from there, what we're going to see, and we'll, and we'll obviously, we're going to read through it. You see that now the Lord has replaced Felix with Festus. And Festus has actually looked into the situation and said, man, I want to do something about it far more swiftly. Like, why is this guy in bonds? Now, he happens to go to Jerusalem. He talks to those Jews there. And guys, remember the vow that was made that we're not going to eat and all of this stuff until Paul is dead? There are some people dead, must be, because uh, you haven't eaten for two years. Uh, or either that or you gave up on that vow. And boy, what does the Bible say about that? Mm. Okay, so that's I'm not even going to get into that. But that's something to just kind of keep in the back of your mind of where these guys are spiritually. Okay, so now he hears from those Jews there, they still want to kill Paul. They, they want Paul to come back to Jerusalem, be tried there, so that they can kill him. That's the plan. That's what they tell Festus, this guy that now has taken over for Felix. Felix got replaced by the Lord because he's awful. He's a terrible man. Terrible, terrible man. And essentially, Caesarea had a, reached out to Roman officials and gotten this guy that enough was brought up against him that he needed to go to Rome. And he almost would have basically had to uh, serve some kind of punishment, maybe torture or killed or whatever it was going to work out to be. But Nero stepped in. So now you just heard me say something very critical. The emperor at this point is Nero, a known persecutor of Christians, whose name is not mentioned, whose title is mentioned as Augustus Caesar. But that's it. Okay, so just think about that in terms of perspective that we have, how worked up we get about elected officials, and the Bible is not even telling you it's narrow. You got to do some historical timeline study in, the, in order to figure that out. Okay, so Festus is in place. Festus hears from the Jews. Festus tells them, hey, um, no, I want to keep him in Caesarea, and I want to hear his case there because he hasn't heard from Paul itself. The reason Festus says that is because Roman law states that if somebody has something against me, those accusers would have to come and be in that court, say what they're going to say, and then I would be given the opportunity to say my defense. Okay? So essentially the way Roman law works is we're not just going to be killing a man just because you say to do so. Okay? So Festus wants to abide by that, whereas Felix, remember the extortionist, the Lord removed him. That's not by accident. So then, okay, you get down all the way to uh, now, Paul is, is going to get a chance to say, state his claim. And the thing that, that he's just going to basically say is like, man, I'm, I'm innocent. I'm innocent of these accusations. Those Jews, they do, they do follow him, follow, excuse me, Festus back to Caesarea and he want because he wants them to give testimony. Okay, say say what it is. So they bring up these grievances again. Probably a little bit shocking to Paul to hear, man, you still want to kill me? Let it go. And so we kind of are getting to a very critical point in what I think Scripture for sure supports. Paul makes a poor choice of words. He says, because Festus now, even though he's better than Felix as a person, uh, he still is trying to appeal to the Jews. 
And so he asked Paul, he says, hey, can I uh, take you back to Jerusalem and do the trial there? But before me, it is specific. I'll show you that in the verse there, specific. He says, before me. Paul, at this point, goes, no, I appeal unto Caesar. And so then he starts to lay out, which in our minds, because as Christians that have the whole story in our scope, we can go back to verse 23 or chapter 23, and we see that God said that, well, you've been a witness in Jerusalem, that you should be a witness there in, in Rome. And you could think in your mind that that is probably the best choice. But then when you read chapter 27, and you see the boat ride is tumultuous as all get out. And that really Paul is giving up freedom. In order to be in bonds going to Rome, he could have been free going to Rome. And so he says, I appeal in the Caesar Festus, leave, no, left with no choices. Okay, that's how it's going to go. Agrippa and Bernice show up. That's weird. Uh, so Bernice is his sister. And uh, history is not uh, too sure that they weren't in an incestuous relationship. It is for sure implied between those two. And so they show up because he's, remember, king. And uh, now Festus tells him, hey, this is what the situation is. Tells him all about it. And even says to him, I find no fault in this man. So King Agrippa says he wants to hear it. So then he tells him, and now he's listening. That's what chapter 26 will be. And that's going to be very beautiful, just how it is. It's the longest thing that Paul has spoken. So that basically kind of just summarizes where we are. Now let's look at the text ourselves, and then we'll dive into what our study and where our study is going to come from. We'll just, we'll just read the whole thing. Okay, uh, verse 1. Chapter 25 says, now when Festus was coming to the province after three days, he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul, besought him and desired favor against him that he would send for him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at, at Caesarea and that he himself would depart shortly thither. Let them therefore, said he, which among you are able, go down with me and accuse this man if there be any wickedness in him. And when he had tarried among them more than 10 days, he went down into Caesarea, and the next day sitting on the judgment seat commanded Paul to be brought. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. Very important. Verse 8, while he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, wilt thou go to Jerusalem there and be judged these things before me? Then said Paul, I stand at, at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things where these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. And then Festus, when he had confirmed the council, answered, answered, hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar shalt thou go. And after certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice came unto Caesarea to salute Festus. They're saluting him because now he has the role that Felix had. And so they're just basically coming out and say, hey, congratulations, you know. 
And uh, verse 14, and when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, there's a certain man left in bonds by Felix, about whom when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and elders of the Jews informed me, desired to have judgment against him. To whom I answered, it is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die before that he which is accused have the accusers face to face and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. Therefore, when they were come hither without any delay on the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth against whom when the accusers stood up, they brought none accusations of such things as I supposed but had certain questions against him of their own superstition and of one Jesus, which was dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I doubted of such manner of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judged of these matters. He's just like, I want to get it out. This, uh, this ain't my territory, man. <laughs> you know, right? 22. Then Agrippa said unto Festus, I would also hear that the man myself tomorrow, said he, that thou shalt hear him. And on the morrow, when Agrippa was come and Bernice with great pomp and was entered into the palace of, or excuse me, place of hearing with the chief captains and principal men of the city at Festus' commandment, Paul was brought forth. And this is very interesting what Festus is about to say, because it just listed all the people that are there, even the accusers. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all men which are here present with us, you see this man about whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he ought not to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, oh boy, see that statement? It just can fly under the radar. I read it too fast, really. Now, what do you think the Jews feel about that statement? They want to kill him. He's already kind of in his heart. Because again, the Lord is at work. This guy's like, I haven't done anything wrong. So he goes on to say, but when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death and that he himself hath appealed to Augustus, I have determined to send him. Boy, of whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord. So now he's like, I need to basically send a letter and you'll see here. In this 27, he's going to kind of go on to detail there. Wherefore, I have brought him forth before you, especially before thee, O King Agrippa, that after examination had, I might have somewhat to write. Like, I basically, I don't have anything to send. And I love this, this parting statement. It's very important. For it seemed to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not withal to signify the crimes laid against him. They, Rome representatives are saying, this man has done nothing wrong. Okay. So why do I go in all the detail and give you this kind of summary and then we read it? And I, Because this domino effect of fear in our lives does something very crippling to us. And the thing that I want you to see here is that God gave a charge, okay, in 23. So we got to have this perspective in our minds of what did God previously say to Paul, this is it, okay? And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. This is a chart. He's telling him, hey, this is how this is going to go. 
Now, anytime there's kind of a charge behind it, then you also have to understand that there's a promise behind it. If you're telling me to do something and you're the God of everything and have all the power, I cannot do it unless you let me do it. But remember what I said, it's been two years. How's that charge sound now? It was probably very loud that night. It ain't so loud now. And I'm kind of concerned <laughs> about finding out the details that these Jews are still upset. Okay. Are we, can we blame Paul for perhaps his position of his heart and the concern that he had? Will we not also feel that same weight? Lord, this thing that you said you want me to do, how I'm in bonds in Caesarea. So when it looks like I'm getting a trigger word, go back to Jerusalem. Well, sure. I'm taking the on-ramp that says go to Rome. You see what I'm saying? It would be an easy solution for him in his mind because it's like, well, I got to get to Rome somehow. So this is it. I appeal unto Caesar. Whew. Don't go back to Jerusalem because that scares me to death now. <sighs> Let's talk about be of good cheer. Be of good cheer is always in relationship to remembering or enlightening of God's control of the situation. That is the important aspect about when the Lord shows up to say, be of good cheer. Seven times in your Bible, you see that. Matthew 9, 2, Jesus forgives the man sick of the palsy. You know what happened. His boys come and deliver him, open him up, let him down. Hey, uh, yeah, <laughs> faith is here. We can see it. You're good. The next thing, Matthew 14, 27, Jesus tells his disciple, it's me, be not afraid. This is when, you know, they had, kind of gotten in the boat and now Jesus walks on the water and he comes out. And of course, these guys ain't never seen that. So they're like, what in the world? You know, and they think it's the spirit and oh, it is, but it's also a man in the flesh. Right. But like, like freaking out. He's like, Hey, it's me. What, am, what is he trying to remind him to do? Hey, relax. It's me. I'm in control of the situation. You don't have to worry. It's not a horror movie. It's me. Mark 650, same thing. John 6, 16, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. I'm in control of the situation. The entirety of the situation, believer. See, I'm knocking on your door because a little bit, we like to compartmentalize where it is that God has strength and where he doesn't. And perhaps I live a life that doesn't always have be of good cheer. God is in control. Acts 23, 11, uh, uh, God tells Paul, you witness in Jerusalem and you must in Rome. Acts 27, 22, then Paul may be kind of coming out of this lull of sleep, tells the sailors, no man will lose his life. Because now, guys, when we get to chapter 27, it's, uh, this is basically a three-hour tour, <laughs> Gilligan's Island kind of scenario where it's going to be uh, bad. So much so that the ship that they're on is going to suffer. And again, he has to say to everybody on the ship, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Boy, I wish you had had that same strength in the moment that you say, I mean, I appeal to Caesar. Because what Paul doesn't understand is that freedom literally was at his doorstep. True freedom. The kind of freedom that Paul likes where 
If he's going to Rome, you know what he's going to do. He's going to make a trip of it. I'm stopping in this city. I'm going to share the gospel here. We'll establish some disciples here. And we'll just meander our way all the way on into Rome. Other, instead of this other way, in bonds, probably seasick, maybe not, just because most of these cats would be used to being on boats. But this was a storm that the Lord wanted to get people's attention. See, my purpose for you this morning is this, guys. We have to live light in light of spiritual reality. And I agree, we got situations that have not been resolved. They don't look like they're going to be resolved. <laughs> they are. We just kind of feel like, man, I'm at the mercy of whatever is happening right now, right? And what the enemy much wants, is, wants you to do is make a decision in fear. And guys, there's kind of a domino thing. that It just played out like that and in terms of what it is that the Lord showed me and and so I want to, I really want to share that with you. This statement right here is, is very important to me and just something that I, I know has been true in my life. Fear never considers the scope of God's work. Fear never does that. It never, it just basically isolates God's ability to why haven't you released me from this discomfort? I don't ever see that God is at work in all this stuff behind the scenes in order to bring me to a better place. And so just any amount of discomfort is like, well, God's not at work. Maybe he doesn't hear me. Maybe now I need to say it more often. Man, God is at work. Paul, God told you what was going to happen. You cannot, he knows of any of us, he would know better. Nothing that God is telling you to do can be accomplished unless God does it. And God opens that door. So you don't need to then save yourself with I appeal unto Caesar. No, appeal unto the Lord. I believe it's the problem that we struggle with, all of us, from time to time. And if we're just honest, Paul is struggling to see God at work on his behalf. And so what I want to suggest to you this morning, I didn't put it up on the slide, but put it in your notes, is to separate this chapter and break it down like this. God moving on Paul's behalf would have been verses one through five. Paul is not privy to this conversation that's happening between Festus and the Jews. But don't we see that Festus didn't deliver Paul to the Jews? right? Felix is gone. He removed a wicked man that only sought to extort him. And then maybe he for sure would have pandered to the Jews and just let it be whatever it's going to be. That is extremely important. The next part would be 13 through 25. So now you kind of see here is Festus is agreeing with Paul in his testimony. I'm innocent. He's like, yeah, you're right. He just hadn't said it at a point where Paul was going to be uh, comforted by it. And here's the thing about our scenarios and situations. You could maybe start to kind of get back into a place where you feel like, okay, the Lord is at work for me and I can see what God is doing. 
But then the minute that trigger word showed up again, Jerusalem, he was like, oh, nope, I'm out. <laughs> Fear is back. Like all 100% of it too. You know, you ever got scared like that? The kind of fear, like, you know, it, it was a jump scare and like your whole body to your head is kind of doing this. Cause it's just, it caught you off guard. That's pause right there. I got to do something. This ain't working out. We can't go back to Jerusalem. We know how that's going to end. It's going to be the end of me. No, bro, it's not. Verse 27 is the other one. I just love, I love that uh, here is lost man saying, it seemed to me unreasonable. <laughs> when the lost are saying that something that is happening to a Christian is unreasonable, <laughs> we ought, he should have clicked his heels in joy. Like, actually, I don't appeal to Caesar. We're good, Festus. You just hear my case and whatever you decide after, we'll go with that, <laughs> you know? So here it is. These are our key points. They're kind of in a weird order just because of the way we read it and all of that. But here they all are. This is the domino. So Christian, this morning, is it my past still haunts me? When he hears this testimony of the Jews in verse 7, now it's like he's back in that space again. Oh, man. And maybe it's not the 40 plus, but it's another group. The ones that are carrying it on. They still in continuation. Maybe the guy said, well, we're going to skip that vow because we got to eat. And so now we're just going to pick it up again and give an opportunity. But here's what I would say in between that and the next one is that what Paul didn't fully understand is that God had replaced Felix with a man that would at least honor the law of the land. See, that's how we don't see God at work. Only thing that we can see is whatever's happening to us. It's like when we're praying for a job, and you forget you're praying for a job with a place that has people that are working there. And the Lord needs to move them around in order to make space for you. And sometimes he doesn't because he doesn't want you to be there. But we don't think that. We just, when we don't get the job, it's like, oh, where's God at? He didn't help me and I'm now, I don't have a job. You know, it's all that overreacting stuff. It's just like, man, chill out. <laughs> God, does that work? If he didn't let you go there, it's because he doesn't want you there. Say amen. <laughs> I didn't mean for you to actually say it there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> the next one would be of, of potentially that key point of just the, the domino, okay? Because now my past still haunts me makes you tip. But now you're going over more because my presence seems hopeless. Verse eight, again, and while he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, not yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all? I mean, this, you know, it's just like the, like a kid, like, oh, come on, man. What are we doing? What am I doing here? Verse nine, but Festus willing to do Jews a pleasure. And here's that, when he heard that, he was like, mm. Answer Paul and said, wilt thou go up to Jerusalem? There be judge of these things before me? There's probably a sign, Paul's heart. But what Paul didn't truly grasp is that Festus agreed with him already. He's just trying to do the Jews a solid. 
And he surely it would have it would have been up to him and really up to the Lord to keep him safe. Had he have decided that the thing is. What I almost wrote down is like you miss out on the miraculous. You just take the mundane. That was the easy decision that Paul made. And then the last domino, and that just lays you down, is my future is mine to change. And so then you just, you do something. You rescue you. Well, Paul doesn't know yet is God desired to let him go to Rome freely, not in bonds. He will later say in, in chapter 28, these guys would have let me go. They're going to say, in chapter 26, Agrippa's going to say, man, had you not appealed on Caesar, we would have let you go. That's when you're like, oh, man, can I take it back? <laughs> you know? And so now it's like you got to live in that space. And so, man, I kind of want to do something different. I just want to have these. These are some different prayer points I think that we just need as a class that we'll revisit at the end of class. But I want you to take a picture of these things because you need to understand something about fear. And if you want God's help, it's going to require something. So in Psalm 3320, getting help requires waiting on God. In verse 20, it says, our soul waited for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. See, that's the thing about that time and that years of Paul going through that. And now the, it's kind of wearing him down. Again, he, you know, he's not really sure how that's going to pan out. He knows what God says, but that was two years ago. What about now, Lord? I'm still in bonds. But listen, getting help requires waiting on God. You got, listen, we have to get to a point where we're okay with God's timeline. That's really uncomfortable. We're impatient. And we kind of think that a little bit that the Lord is at our beckoning call versus the opposite. You do what he says. You don't, he doesn't do what you say. But that's how we treat him. Psalm 56, 4, 11, and 12. Getting help requires trust in God. Perhaps it is that that trust had waned for Paul because now, again, it's been two years. And I'm looking at this scenario kind of start to ramp up. <laughs> it says in these verses very beautifully, verse four, and God, I will praise his word and God, I will have, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. So you can't tell me that Paul's decision to appeal to Caesar isn't thinking about the death in his mind that's waiting for him in Jerusalem. Verse 11, in God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Verse 12, thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. You know, that's a funny slap in the face to the vows that those Jews had made prior to kill him. But I love in verse 12, it says, thy vows, God's vows are upon me. So listen, if God says it so, it's money. That's a guarantee. You don't have to worry about it. You could take it to the bank. Now they might not take it. <laughs> but you ought to try that with your bank manager. Just get the Bible open and say, I'm one to deposit these promises. 
<laughs> What's their value? If they're say, they'll say, man, it's priceless. But we still can't take it. <laughs> you know, take your Bible home. Psalm, let's see, it's Psalm 118. Okay. Psalm 118, six. Getting help requires for me to be in fellowship with God. See, that has to be happening. Verse six of Psalm 118 says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. The Lord is on my side. Do you feel like that this morning? See, I'm praying that Faith Fellowship will really get this because we need help. I don't, even if you're having success in your walk, you still need help, right? I need help. And I want to get all the help that it is that God has available to give. I don't want to circumvent it and start on the domino effect. Now I'm going to just, uh, oh, my past, oh, my present is, oh, no, my future. I got to change it. And then, I, and then what happens when I change my future? I'm just really making a decision to withdraw from the Lord. You know, that's how that works, right? But you can't run from him because he's very big. <laughs> and so he will meet you where you are. Psalm 146.3 says, getting help requires me to abandon man's wisdom. Boy, I appeal unto Caesar. Uh, well, we wish you hadn't, especially Nero, who liked to use Christians as candles and in his courtyard, set them on fire. That's how awful Nero was. It says in that verse, put not your trust in princes, nor in the son of man in whom there is no help. Paul, oh, there's no help for you with Caesar. We could have chosen differently. Isaiah 41, 10 and 14 says, getting help requires God's presence. I love this, boy. That Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Now listen, if you can't get pumped off of that, you could, you could face whatever it is that God will allow you to see. Because you got to understand, this is a two-way street. The Lord needs to teach Paul a, a lesson about not listening to the Holy Spirit, which is why those are consequences of that. But remember, God is not petty like we are, which when we're upset, we will withdraw. No, when the Lord has got you in a situation and teaching you a lesson, he is closer, <laughs> right there. Why? Because it's an opportunity for you to go, you know what, I see the error of my ways, Dad. And I'm gonna just go through this thing, however, whatever it looks like, but I trust that you're with me and I'm, and I'm encouraged by that. And so lead the way. That's really what God is looking for is that kind of response. But oftentimes what we tend to do is kind of add to the lesson by making poor choices based off of fear. That's why it has a domino effect. It's very dangerous for us to do this. We can have seasons that the Lord intended to be short lessons turned into years. Ask Israel how that was. A 17-day journey turned into 40 years. 40 See, we got, 
if, the, if, if our lives are going to be challenging because we're preaching the gospel, we're making disciples, we're equipping leaders, that's one thing. But it's another thing when, man, you just can't seem to get out of your own way. And you are at the, <laughs> the beginning of the problems. We got to, that's not living in life as a light of spiritual reality. That's actually living in light of a, of a fleshly reality. Because you don't, again, you're not considering the Lord's scope. You found a place to be discomforted, disquieted by it. And so now I got to do something about it. And man, that's leading to that will not help us. Last one, getting help requires fear of God. In Luke 12, four and five, it says, and I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body and after that have no more uh, that they can do, but I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him, which after he hath killed, have power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. See, that's the answer. I really, Faith Fellowship success really will be fully aware if our fear is truly of God and not of our circumstances or the men that we think run those circumstances. See, so get this down. I didn't put this on the slide for you. Worldly wisdom can seem right in the moment, but it always lacks the awe of God and usually causes unforeseen consequences. Worldly wisdom can seem right in the moment. It looks like the right choice. It looks like the right thing to do, right thing to say, right thing to purchase, right person to be with. but it, it always lacks the awe of God. You gave you that. And now you very much want to get rid of it once you realize like, this is no good for me. See in this last thing here, when you help yourself, you just make a mess of yourself. Paul willing to help himself out by saying, I appeal unto Caesar lets him down to a very difficult journey to Rome where freedom literally is at the doorstep and could have been enjoyed of which we will see the very words of that come out in the next chapter. And even when we get to 28, when Paul himself was said, they would let him go. And it might seem like a small thing, but again, the effectiveness of his ministry is just forever changed as a result of that choice to go to Jerusalem. We are spending the rest of Acts talking about it. Ultimately, everything now is an effect of that choice to go there. This is why your choices matter. And so this is my concluding thought, man. This is one of my favorite. Um, you know, you know, I tell you guys, you need a pocket buddy. This is a pocket buddy verse where you write it down. You keep it on you. Ladies, you keep it in your purse or, or in your, uh, you know, pants pocket, fellas, same. Your shirt pocket. I like T-shirts with pockets. Um, and, man, it's just good to have something to look at. Now, let's read it and see what it says for those, especially in the back there. 
It says to the chief musician, a Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies, not some, all. The Lord doesn't do anything halfway. And from the hand of Saul, and he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Christian, if you are here this morning and you are tipping because of your past, getting a little closer because your present feel, feels a little bleak and ready to just make a change. And now the right option seems, I don't need, why do I need to go to Bible study? Why do I need to finish discipleship? Why do I need to finish LFBI? Why do I need to stay at Midtown? Why do I, all of these things are on the table. If any of you thinking about that, I'm telling you, what is that? That's just going to lead to your destruction. Be in the place where God is and God is at work. Stay, let the Lord sort out the details. Whatever's uncomfortable you or troubling you, man, that's why leadership is here for that. And I get on some level that Paul doesn't have an encourager, but he had the Lord to speak with. Which is better than any of us. And that's the choice he made. And so I want to go back because we got a little time here to these prayer points and that we would just get in groups. If one of those prayer points, if you need to wait on God or you need to reestablish trust, reestablish fellowship, you need it, Lord, ask for his presence. Like you just in a situation you feel like God is, you, like he could not be further away from you. Listen, that's okay. Nobody's going to judge you for that. But if that's the way you feel, then, then let's, let's reconnect with him today. If you don't, maybe it is that you fear a situation more than you fear him. Man, again, this is not a place of judgment where somebody is going to be looking down at you because that's where your heart is. If that's where your heart is, that's where it is. And so let's kind of get in the groups, get with the person you're with and just really ask the Lord to search your heart and just be honest with him uh, about where you are. And just say, Lord, I want to choose what you want me to do next. I'm, I am desperate for you to tell me the next step. Not many steps down the road, the next step. Okay. Can we do that this morning? Let's break up in the groups and then I'll come up and, uh, and pray and then dismiss us. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for today. And um, Lord, I think just uh, personally, there's just a lot to consider um, just in terms of what your word says and, and the examples that it shows. And Lord, I tremble at the, at the thought that, um, we might not get something that you have for us because we made a choice in fear um, or we just withdrew or we just stopped trusting. Um, Father, help us to be a class that uh, desires, you know, everything that uh, you have for us and that we wouldn't find areas where we say, okay, that's good. And I'm happy with just this. And that we now just try to manage um, what it is that you have given us, but Lord, that we would ever be ready to receive whatever you have. And 
whether that's difficult times and lessons that come in those times, um, or Lord, that you want to free us of something. Uh, Lord, I'm grateful to you that you are never satisfied with us being in bondage to something on this earth, uh, whether you know it's relationships or attitudes or uh, mental um, anguish. Lord, you wish to free us. And, uh, and Lord, sometimes we are so comfortable being uncomfortable. We just stay there. And so, Father, just I pray, um, help us to just not desire, um, man, just that kind of thinking. Lord, it doesn't have to just be hard for heart's sake. Uh, there is something that you absolutely want to do in us and through us and with us. You want us to be a part. I mean, Lord, you, you're not, um, you're not kind of like over it with us in terms of relationship. I mean, it, it, there's joy for you that you have us and, and then Lord, we don't always reflect that back. And so father, just help us to have discernment, Seek wise counsel from your word and from the leadership that we have around us just to be able to, to find a, a place to say, I, I may not see how this is going to end, but I trust God in it. Lord, help us to be able to say that with, with the kind of truth that has control over our thoughts and our actions. Uh, Father, I'm, I'm begging you, use this class to your glory. Um, be with us. Lord, we want to see fruit, soul saved. Be with us in this time of, of prayer and fasting. Lord, we pray that you would just deliver those around us that every day people are leaving this planet and a large number of them don't know you. Lord, and, I, and, and we're still just going to go about our day. And Lord, I pray just we cannot manufacture brokenness. So, Lord, I, I just pray, just help us to just see what we have in you and that we just want to tell whomever the same. This is what the Lord has done in my own life. And so, Lord, repair us. We need we are so needy. And uh, you don't judge us for that. I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your love. Uh, thank you for what you did in, in Paul's life and his example. And uh, with respect um, that we give this man and, and what had happened, Lord, we still are trying to glean from just the truth of your word. And so, Lord, help us with that as well and apply it to our lives and uh, give it to our, our, our kids. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.